behind every great design, behind every great collection, there is a narrative. Try to get to know the narrative of that designer. Hello everyone, good morning, and welcome back to You Have to Wear Something, and it's officially Aquarius season, and I am fresh off of sabbatical in Mexico. I went to Mexico City and the very hyped up Tulum, and they did not disappoint. As you know, you have to make decisions every morning to cover that birthday suit, and Mexico was so stylish. I mean, everywhere, people were so cute, and the cutest thing about the people of Mexico is they were so nice. You hear about these places where you have to research first to see if they're going to be kind to black people, and that's sad, but it's just a fact. Um, for instance, I heard that Italy is not always great or super kind when you're there with your black boo. But anyway, um, Mexico was lovely and kind and gorgeous. Mexico City is kind of like Mexican Paris. It's very like bustling and beautiful with tons of like monuments everywhere and like marble and like with every congested city there's you know there's a ghetto in every city right tourists go to all of the most beautiful parts um but for the most part i stayed in the <clears throat> historic district and um it's just very old world which i love i mean people who know me know i'm a francophile and i was feeling it in tulum people were walking around you know like they do in miami mostly in their bikinis with see-through you know cover-ups and it was just a little bit too much crochet for my taste but I get it it works with the jungle island vibes that Tulum provides but if we're going to talk about Mexican style we cannot leave out the icon that is Frida Kahlo yes I am that tourist that's going to hit up all the museums and La Casa Azul was a must-see for me first off it's very small with a little garden. Um, it almost feels like a Riyadh. Um, and a Riyadh is a traditional Moroccan house or a palace with an indoor garden and a courtyard. And after you marvel at the photos and the paintings by Frida and her beloved husband, Diego, um, you begin to feel not only the genius of her work, but truly the sadness of her life. And it, it feels a bit like a funeral or a memorial, as if they died yesterday. There is a mold of Frida's head or face. Um, her actual ashes are on the grounds. Um, the very last section of the home slash museum is dedicated to her style with her actual wardrobe, which was never revealed until 2004. They have been locked away since 1954. Frida was known for her image and lifestyle as much as her work. So let's get into these objects. The objects included clothing, which was distinctive and colorful indigenous Mexican garments, and that's super important, I'll tell you later. Some flecked with paint and visible signs of wear. There was jewelry, pre-Columbian necklaces that Frida strung herself. Um, there was examples of intricately hand-painted medical courses and orthopedic devices. Um, there was a series of medical courses, actually. Supportive back braces, a prosthetic leg. Um, all of this illuminates the story of her near-fatal bus crash at the age of 18, an event which caused her lasting pain 
immobility and left her unable to have children. Um, Jean-Claude Gaultier was actually influenced by all of Frida's uh, decorated corsets just to display how far her influence reached. The collection also reveals how Kahlo used indigenous textiles as well as art to give her emotional strength and develop a sense of personal identity. Her appearance was a political statement and she crafted her identity to reflect her own mixed race heritage of German and her allegiance to Mexico. Her wardrobe includes examples of traditional Mexican dress like rebozos, which are fringe shawls, embroidered huipiles or square cut tops, inaguas skirts, and holanes, which is flounces. As well as the corsets are painted with religious and communist symbolism, they even displayed her beauty products in vivid shades. She's a big fan of red, and her favorite lipstick was Revlon's Everything is Rosy, and the ebony eyebrow pencil, which she used to emphasize her signature monobrow. So anything that people would consider like ugly or, you know, like being, um, special needs or, you know, her foot was amputated or her corset showing how she was ill. All of these things she decorated and she emphasized and she made beautiful, including like a unibrow. A unibrow is not generally accepted, maybe with Anthony Davis, but for, you know, many years, people have been removing that middle part of their monobrow. Um, Kahlo even reclaimed some of her medical objects, the hand-painted corsets, the customized prosthetic leg. Um, there was a big red platform boot from her amputation that she embellished with like little bells and little Chinese dragon motifs. And it was all a means of self-expression. You know, um, she accepted her situation. Um, it wasn't always um, pleasant, but she was an artist. And she was an artist inside and out and in everything she did. And apparently when Frida would walk around in her garb, people would ask, hey, where's the circus? Because people were not used to Mexican people expressing their indigenous roots at that time. But, and you know, everyone was dressing in Western clothing back then, but a true artist never flinches. Rest in, in eternal power, Frida Kahlo. I am jumping around a bit because so much has happened. And if you can hear my nasal issues, I just got back from Big Bear. So, you know, I don't know if I have altitude sickness or I'm not used to winter. I'm from Chicago, so I should be like combat trained for winter, but I'm not. And, um, you know, Big Bear has my nose and my uh, head going crazy today. So excuse the hoarseness. Um, so. Any Formula One or Lewis Hamilton fans? Well, outside of the fact that he is by far the most accomplished F1 driver, and you can fight me on that, he is pretty cute and stylish, and his plus 44 line is also very dope. I don't know if you have seen it, saw it online, follow him on Instagram, whatever. 44 is, of course, Hamilton's race number, which he used um, since 2014, and that was back when F1 drivers were allowed to have numbers. I don't think they're allowed to have numbers anymore. But he is a seven-time Formula One world champion, and he has officially partnered with artist, artist um, Takashi Murakami on a limited edition collaboration. The collab is the first time Murakami has partnered with Hamilton, um, and Plus 44 is a whole creative lab. It's not just t-shirts. I feel like 
Hamilton never just does one little small thing. He only does big things. So very curious as to where this is going. So it's definitely going to go beyond t-shirts. Um, but he dropped an elusive social media campaign and launched a brand on his Instagram. I am not into scarcity marketing or into drop culture. I'm not going to stand in line. I don't care about tickets. I don't care about none of that. But I really love this collab. I have some pieces from, um, a really beautiful person in my life. And Hamilton has long been on the street style scene. He is always one to watch. He has the craziest, wildest fits. I don't know if you guys um, follow on Instagram league fits, but um, it's mostly like NBA players walking through the tunnel in really great outfits. Um, But Lewis is definitely on brand with that kind of style. So, I don't know. I'm just going to keep watching what he's doing. And I'm sure he's planning this whole, you know, I don't know, act after F1 can't drive Formula 1 car forever. So, I'm very curious as to what he's up to next. Um, And speaking of street style, or rather street wear, Louis Vuitton has sort of found a new creative director. But, of course, there is no replacement for Virgil Abloh. Like, let's just say that you know, with full confidence that that era is over. However, who is Kid Super? To be clear, Comb Delane is Kid Super. He is a guest creative director. He is not the creative director of LV's Fall Menswear Collection. I watched a show and it was, it was good. I was all ready to like, you know, be like, nah, this is whack, this is ugly, um, you know, stop trying to copy Virgil. It wasn't a copy of Virgil. Um, he has his own vibrant and creative style. It was a neat compliment to the aesthetic that Ablo created. And the way he weaves an artist's hand into his work through like graphic illustrations and he throws everything at it, like everything but the kitchen sink. And he combines tailored with slouchy, bold with monogrammed items. And it is from the foundation that Virgil built. Um, But what I do like is their backgrounds are kind of similar, like Delane or Kid Super. He's also untrained like Virgil Abloh. Virgil Abloh never said he was a designer. He is a man that had incredible taste and incredible vision. And they both were untrained and kind of DIY enthusiasts. And they both kind of accidentally fell into the fashion industry. Um, and it's not even a Louis Vuitton collection. It's a Louis Vuitton collection by Kid Super, and it's not influenced by what came before. Um, but it seems to be doing well, and honestly, the numbers don't lie. So the sales will really let us know if he will end up with a permanent appointment at Louis Vuitton. Um, black girls, are you out there? I have braids right now, which is my first time. I don't know. I feel like I don't know why I've never gotten braids before, but they've been really fun. And, um, well, I think I know why. It's usually the mom or the grandmother that teaches you your initial beauty practices in your life, right? So my mom and my grandmother never wore weave or like braids or, or anything like that. They had that very fine hair that like wash and go, you wet it, it waves up and like that's that. And they wore their hair very short. So um, braids was always like kind of elusive to me. And as we know, um, or not know, my, my background in luxury goods and all of that, you know, 
blackness, we're just now waking up to it being accepted as professional. Um, we've even had to pass laws like the Crown Act to make it illegal to discriminate um, against black women due to their hairstyle at work. And it's still an issue. People are still getting fired because they have locks or they have braids or they have an afro. And um, maybe I have been, you know, outside of not having that um, example for mom, um, just a little nervous about the attention that you're going to get. And I'll be honest, um, having braids in Tulum, there were moments where I was touched or they were, they were grabbed or, you know, (laughs) without my consent. (laughs) So please stop grabbing black women's hair. Um, but, uh, my cousin was a G and like held it down and was like, yo, you can't do that. You can't touch her. Um, but yeah, there was like white women burying their face in my braids in Tulum. That was, that was odd. But anyway, I say all that to say that black hair is very important. It's an extension of race for us. And, um, we don't like with makeup, like with anything, there is not a lot of products for us. Black owned hair care brand, Miel Organics announced Wednesday. Now, now mind you, it has a cult following because they have formulated Um, all of these products specifically for kinky coily hair. So they announced that um, PG Beauty had acquired them for an undisclosed amount. Frankly, I'm thrilled for Monique and Melvin Rodriguez. Those are the founders of Miel Organics. And look, black founders do not have to play small, guys. We do need to discuss, however, this TikTok drama surrounding white content creators trying to monetize through black women's hair care routines, specifically a viral video showing a review of the Miel Rosemary Mint Scalp and Strengthening Oil. TikTok star Alex Earl, who is white, reviewed the product for more than 3 million followers. And she said she had tremendous hair growth after using the product for a little over a month. No big deal, right? Products are for everyone. It's a free country. Not really. Um, And you can buy whatever you want. If you got the money, you can go and buy shit off the rack. Nobody cares. So what, right? Who cares? It's just hair and hair care product that anyone can buy and use if they want. Well, it's not that simple. Comments on the post were soon filled with black and white users alike saying things like, great, now Miel is about to be gentrified. The product was soon sold out, leaving loyal black consumers of Miel feeling colonized. Um, But black women were rightfully concerned about this product reaching white people due to a similar situation with another brand known as Shea Moisture. Um, In 2017, major consumer goods company Unilever acquired Shea Moisture, a black-owned hair care brand, and the brand launched an ad that became infamous for featuring three women with straight hair and one with curly hair, and only one of the women was black. So, you know, it was colonized, it was gentrified, and they did end up changing their formulas. At the time on social media, people said Shea Moisture had essentially whitewashed products once designed for black women and that the quality of the products suffered once the ownership changed. So obviously we're concerned about what's going to happen at Miel Organics because we already don't have shit, right? We're like in the store and there's like a little section in CVS or Walgreens or wherever for black hair care. Black hair care is a growing niche in the beauty industry, but there is just still not enough products available. Um, and Miel is specifically created with natural hair in mind. 
not straight hair, Alex. Um, despite black consumers spending $473 million in total hair care out of a $4.2 billion industry. And that number is going up. Basically, if you do black hair, you're going to always have a job. <laughs> like, black women are always going to get their hair done. So there's like, there's a real money side to this, you know. And by now that you know that there are not a lot of products for us, if you go into a store, you're not even going to find shit for ethnic hair. Like, it's just going to be a smaller section. And so because of supply and demand, the oil is now become a lot more inaccessible to the communities who actually need it. So it's important to be more knowledgeable about suitable products and to not blindly follow TikTok trends, right? It was fun to catch up with y'all this morning. Thank you for dealing with my hoarseness. Um, but I'm going to try to be a little bit more consistent in the year of our Lord 2023. Um, happy birthday to all the Aquariuses. Um, it's the best sign. Um, I will fight you. And tune in next episode where I will discuss this Ngozi and your partnership and the return of leggings, plus a surprise black founder guest coming up soon. And until next time, peace.